Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're joined by Joe Goodberry now to the podcast. Hey, this makes sense. You live in Western New York. You know everything about the Bengals. You can see his work every Tuesday on YouTube. If you want to get caught up on the Bengals from weeks past or for this week, Bengals on the Brain. And what else you get? You're all over the place, Joe. I am all over the place. I've done a lot before podcasts and writing was with the athletic. I host locked on Bengals for a long time. Uh, I gave up a lot of that and just did my own thing for the last couple of years now. But yeah, I We'll talk every team, and I, I try to keep current on every team because I started my, you know, uh, draft or my football work doing the NFL draft. So I still stay current on everyone. Very Before cool. we get into this year and the Bengals in this game, let's rewind. What was last year like for you, man? What was last year like to see this team go on that journey and get to the Super Bowl? It's interesting because I thought they'd be good, and not a lot of people did. And I remember the over/under being six and a half, and I just kept looking at it like I just can't. You know, I just don't understand how it can be like that. And maybe it's because of my draft background where I was, I saw the prospects they drafted the last few years and I saw Joe Burrow and the grades I had on him. I'm like, I think Joe Burrow is going to be a top five type guy. If he is, how aren't you a good team? We've seen enough football around here. If you have the right guy at quarterback and I thought Jamar Chase would be a number one. I thought Logan Willis would be a good linebacker. Jermaine Pratt. I mean, all these, they were all coming up together. And if they were to hit, I was like, this team should be okay. Now I didn't know they'd go to the Super Bowl. I thought 10 wins, maybe you're competing for a division. Maybe you're competing for a wild card spot. Uh, we'll see how it goes if they can stay healthy. And they did stay healthy. And they found a way to do it with a bad offensive line and got really close. They got within probably protection for another half a second to Joe Burrow hitting Jamar Chase down the sideline as 
Jalen Ramsey's eating dirt, but it didn't happen. And it doesn't, and we know it's hard to get back. And it's been a fun year. It's been a really interesting year of what do, what does regression look like the off season. Now this off season was, what does regression, what would it look like? Would we even recognize it? And so that's been, I guess that story is still being told, but uh, you know, here we are and they're, they're in position to do what they did last year. Have they regressed? No, they've gotten better. Right. They've gotten better in every way. They got more consistent. They were living off the deep ball. They're living off chunk plays last year, and it didn't look sustainable, especially if the offensive line was going to remain poor. They had a lot of things break their way last year, but in a lot, they overcome a lot of challenges too. You can't just hit deep balls all the time, get sacked 70 times, and make it to the Super Bowl. That's weird. So I think people looked at it like, well, that's not going to happen again. Well, you're right. But if they took another step as an offense with a lot of young talent and become more consistent and figured out the in-betweens, there's a, a good chance they were a better offense. And I think that's what we're looking at. One of the things that I feel like so many people talked about and rightfully so last year was the offensive line and what it was, what it was, it was holding them back to an extent. And there was so much of a focus on that this off season. Has that revamped line lived up to the expectations or has that still been an area that's a bit inconsistent for them? It's still inconsistent. I wouldn't say expectations because those were all over the map. I think when you replace four out of five starters, people probably got a little too excited of, Oh man, this is going to be, if they can at least be 16th in the league, this offense is going to be unstoppable. They're probably still in the bottom 10, but you've got a rookie left guard from North Dakota state was a fourth round pick. How, what should your expectations be? Probably just keep your head above water and we'll be happy there. Uh, but Ted Karras at center has been really good free agent pickup. Alex Kappa right guard, really good free agent pickup. Now they're not world beaters, but they're way better than what you had last year. The hard part now is Leo Collins, who was a, a free agent signing at right tackle towards ACL MCL last week against the Patriots. I don't know who's replacing him because last week it was Hakeem Adeniji, a former fifth round pick who they've developed for the last three years. He played 800 snaps last year at right guard. He finished the game last week, but man, Zach Taylor made some interesting comments today at his presser. sounds like they're going to bring up a practice squad guy, Isaiah Prince, who was injured to start the year. They snuck him on the practice squad halfway through the season. He was the one who played right tackle for them after Riley reef went down last year and they were able to make it through the playoffs with him. I think they feel more comfortable with his strength and length especially this week against Gregory Rousseau. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the call up and start for Monday. Mm, that's really interesting. Well, they still though, even though I know that they've done a better job in that area, it feels like some of the talk this year was, Hey, if you could protect Burrow just a little bit better. So how much better has it been for the protection of Joe Burrow this year? Has it been leaps and bounds from last year is, you know what? They've gotten it enough. They still have to take another step. They're better, but it's hard to fully quantify because I still believe that sacks and pressure are very dependent on the quarterback and some quarterbacks are going to invite pressure. Some quarterbacks are going to take sacks. Some guys are just going to take more hits than others. Joe Burrow is like that, but he's gotten so much smarter with it, or at least knows when, if it's third and 15 and I got to make a play, that's okay to take a sack rather than just throw the ball away. Right. Would you make a play, try and get something to have something happen. Maybe it breaks you where it doesn't, or if it's second and 10, you can't take a sack because you don't want third and 15. And that's when he is getting rid of the ball, taking the check down and say, fine, here, mix and pick up five yards, pick up four yards for me. Uh, and so he's gotten smarter. It, it's actually, if you just looked at the last six weeks or so, they're near the bottom of the league in sacks, but he's still getting pressured at a decent clip. The Bengals are a very fast pace passing offense. So they don't let pressure get to burrow on a majority of their snaps, but when it's time to throw, he will get pressured. His timing has been immaculate lately and knowing when, okay, 
one read, two read, get the ball to check down. He's getting rid of it as he's getting it or as he's getting pressured. So the sacks are lower slightly as the, as a total this year, but over the last six weeks or so, or last seven, as they've been on this stretch, they're much lower. Everybody is going to talk about, and rightfully so in this game, they're going to talk about Josh Allen and they're going to talk about Joe Burrow. We said at the beginning of the podcast, for my money, they're two of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL and they're both super young and they're ascending. Like these are the guys you want to build your team around, but knowing what you know about the Bengals and then obviously having the proximity that you have to the bills and to Buffalo, what are the X factors in this game that you see from the Bengals side? Is there something that you think could be a big mismatch in the Bengals favor, or is there something you could think of that might be a big mismatch in the bills favor. The one I was initially pointing to was Gregory Rousseau versus Hakeem Adeniji. If he was playing at right tackle, because Adeniji six, four, three Oh five, if he gets to start, his struggle has been power. Whereas if it's Isaiah Prince, he's heavier. He's got 35 and a half inch arms. He can deal with the length a little bit more Rousseau. I still think the underrated player for the Bengals. When we look at Jamar chase, T Higgins, Joe Mixon. I mean, they have stars on offense. I think defense is a little bit underrated. It's DJ reader at nose tackle. I think he's having an all pro year. One of the top, probably three nose tackles in the NFL. He makes it very hard to run against the bills have been running a lot more lately and you know, almost at a 50, 50 split in neutral situations. I commend them for that because I think James cook has looked really good. I think if he's, you know, takes another step into this postseason, that could be something you can ride a little bit. I think Devin Singletary had a great week last week, but it's hard to run against DJ reader and the Bengals defense. I think they're very similar teams overall. They're going to be a shotgun pass, happy offense designed to run their quarterback strengths, quick passing until they need to create and make a play. And on defense, they're going to stay in their nickel, no matter what happens, both teams are going to do that. And they're very efficient in that. Uh, I I think where the edge could be is Allen is an X factor in in, as his own, right? If he takes off and runs, if he muscles through guys, he creates a spark for the entire team and for the entire offense. I think that's hard to game plan for. I think it's hard to defend. The Bengals have done a good job, or at least I should say they have a lot of experience against mobile quarterbacks, not just Lamar Jackson in their division, Deshaun Watson as well. They they played him once this year, but Pat Mahomes also, they do a good job containing. We need to see if Sam Hubbard's going to play because that's like their contained guy at defensive end. He had a calf issue. He missed last week. For originally, they were saying week to week. We were thinking two to four weeks. He practiced on a limited basis today. I think there's a chance he could play. Zach Taylor uh, upgraded him to day to day. If he does play, that really helps their contain up front, and the Bengals will drop more guys into coverage. Lou Anarumo really is a, a very good defensive coordinator for the Bengals. He's going to take away what you do best, and then he's going to pull a string when you don't expect it and throw, give you something you haven't seen all year. Once or twice in a game, probably on a third or fourth down, just enough, and it's confused enough quarterbacks over the last year and a half that it's like, man, it he's the guy right now that if you want to know what weakness Allen has, he's probably going to exploit it or call it. I'm a big reader fan too. I agree. He's played right in the bills. You know, they had trouble with him when he played for Houston in that yeah. playoff game just a few they years did. ago, you know, and, and, and I think typically those bigger interior linemen are the ones that hurt the bills um, because they're built more athletically up front. They're mm-hmm. not built to really be a, a, a pounding team. And Mitch Morris is a great center, but he's an athletic center. You know, he's not yeah. a guy that's really built to handle guys like that. One more question on that side of the ball. And I want to get to the other side. Um, you say they're going to take away what you do best. All right. What if the bills say, what we do best is throw to Stefan Diggs. How do they defend Stefan Diggs? Well, the Bengals will shift and cloud that way. Uh, the Bengals right now have, have had no issue with number one receivers this year. They've only given up one 300 yard passer all season. That was garbage time to Tom Brady at the end. 
they've been killed by number two receivers. Like this is a Gabe Davis game. If he wants to make his American say, hey, playoff Gabe is, is back. I mean, this is the game to do it. They're going to give him those chances and they're going to shift all that coverage towards because they, when they lost Shadobia Wuzier halfway through the year, that was their number one corner and they would use him to shadow number one. So their defense was a little different when he went down. It's Eli Apple and Cam Taylor Britt, second round pick on Nebraska. They know the limitations there. I, I, they feel good at Mike Hilton in the slot, but on the outside, they know they can be beat. But the Bengals have two really good safeties, and it's been a first-round pick on a safety too, Dex Hill out of Michigan. They love their safeties. They will shade those guys over to where it needs help. And you'll see that now, Jesse Bates with the range at free safety. They'll say, okay, Jesse, go help out wherever side Diggs is on. I think the Bills' best chance is to get them in the slot. The Bengals will play a middle-of-the-field open defense and say, listen, we want you to throw against our good safeties or our good coverage linebackers. So leave the middle of the field more open for them. I think Bill should get digs in the slot and try and exploit it that way. I feel like this could maybe even be a game where we start to see Cole Beasley look yeah. like Cole Beasley before they brought him back and just like, okay, this is what you're going to give us. We're going to be stubborn and we're just going to take everything that we can in the middle of the field because we know that Diggs is going to kind of be on his own out there. So kind of keeping with that defense, we were talking about the pass rush for the bills in getting after Joe Burrow. What is the Bengals kind of formula for that? Like how effective are they? And do you think that they can kind of win that matchup against a bills offensive line that has been at least from my viewpoint, very inconsistent this season. Yeah. But from a talent perspective, the O-line is still middling at best for the Bengals. Uh, and then we got it. And that's, we, you know, pending right tackle what happens there, but what they'll do to slow you down is there'll be a quick passing offense, a large chunk of the time. They'll run a lot of RPOs. They'll run some play action and they'll hand the ball off out of shotgun all enough to make the pass rushers go. Okay. I'm not really sure what's happening on this play. Read run engage. Okay. Now it's time to pass rush balls already out. Bro's very good at deciphering and reading what you're doing. He's, he's like a, um, he's like water and he'll find the crack and whatever the defense is. Right. So you just, if it's going to be okay, they're going to blitz from the side and, and relax on the other side. He'll find it and easily get to it and very lightning. It, it'll remind you guys of, and I, I hate to even make this con- uh, comparison, but it'll remind you of, and no one's like this, but prime Tom Brady just I, yeah. quickly 2.2, 2. 2.2, 2. 2, 1.8 seconds. I'm like, it's just bang, 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 bang until you give him one-on-one with Chase and Higgins. And then the protection has to hold up. So it's only a handful of plays a game where it's got to hold up. Yeah. And if you give him one-on-one, but the bills have played so much cover to this year, I don't expect them to give them that many chances. If it may come down to those couple you get, and then will they be able to exploit it? If Julian Edelman or Wes Welker or Danny Amendola come onto the field, I think everybody, <laughs> everybody will just melt and it'll just all end right there. Um, well, the Bengals will put Jamar Chase in the slot. So you may see some uh, of that. And he just, he's a slippery guy. He's so good. He's so good. I, we were talking before we had yeah. the conversation with you uh, easily top five in the NFL. Oh, yeah. He's going to be a top three player for a lot. Honestly, if Justin Jefferson wasn't around, you could make the argument. He's the best young receiver in the game. And I still think that's closer than a lot of people do. And we got two top five quarterbacks, two top five, number one receivers. And that seems like that's the game now, you know, like in, in the NFL and you know, I'm a huge Stefan Diggs fan back to the draft. I had a first round grade on him. He goes in the fifth round. I'm like, this guy's going to be a stud. And so like, I only bills thing I own is a Stephon Diggs uh, Jersey. <laughs> I want to go back to the offense for a minute because as much as they have all this talent, even in the run game, we know of the receivers they have it. The, the numbers in the run game aren't like overwhelming. Is that just because they do throw so much Joe or um, has it been a bit inconsistent? What's, what's the truth there? 
the beginning of the year, they thought they could still be what they were last year. And last year they were an under center wide zone running team. So when they got under center, especially the first two weeks of the year, this is why they struggled. It was like a 92% clip that they're running the ball or it'd be 92 of run or play action. So rarely drop back. You almost never saw a burrow drop back straight out of center. And then under shotgun, it was like a 97% clip of passing the ball. It became way too clear of what was happening. They weren't getting any cover one and cover three with one-on-one -on, -one on the outside because defense is like, all right, you're in shotgun. We're not going to give you this. We're going to play cloud coverage. We're not going to watch Jamar Chase go 60 yards over our head. So they struggled because it was too clear what they were doing when they tried to run the ball. They scrapped it, started to scrap it around week three. That was versus the Jets. That was when they got their first win. It was a slow burn as it is when anytime you're going to scrap a large chunk of your playbook. And by the time they got to week six and everything's out of shotgun, I mean, they ran, I want to say whatever game that was, it was 69 of 70 plays were in shotgun. Their run game efficiency got to top five very quickly for, in terms of per run, you know, they don't, aren't going to do it heavy. Mixon had one huge game against the Panthers. We had five touchdowns. Other than that, it's been inconsistent and it's been inconsistent because they just don't rely on it. Even last week, we're looking at this game like, man, it's freezing in New England. The, snow, the wind's going to be blowing. Maybe this is a game where they lean on the run again. Earl drops back 52 times. They just are going to throw it. And because they're getting so much cover too still, their checkdowns are their run game. And you hear that cliche, but they truly believe it. If you want to give them five yards per catch to these running backs, they will take it all day long. Come up and tackle. And they'll invite that all day. And for the Bills, tackling has been an issue yep. this year. So that could be a mismatch for the Bengals. Whenever we talk to people who primarily cover another team, it always is a question like, how does that team win? But the Bengals are so good. The Bills and the Bengals, I feel like they're on the same level playing field. Yeah. So that question feels like it's a waste right now. But do you think the Bengals win like going into this game? Or do you think that this is a game that's a tough matchup for them? I think it's a coin flip. I, it's funny. I was talking with another guy earlier today and he's like, yeah, you know, the last good team the Bengals have played was the chiefs. And it wasn't to discredit the other teams. Like they beat, you know, I think the bills beating the Titans is a good game. The Titans have been tough. The Bengals beat the bill, the Titans. I mean, and the Titans haven't won a game since like now we kind of discredit those wins. Right. Well, it's probably because of the plateau. These teams are on now. It's the Bengals bills and chiefs and anyone else you expect to be. And yeah, you could lose those games. We've seen it. We, you will drop one here or there. But that's like that. Those are the three good AFC teams. I expect one of those to probably be the representative. I expect two of them to probably be in the AFC championship unless something weird happens. So yes, I still think it's a coin flip. The, the NFL game today is designed to be a one score game. Is it not, you know, no matter who it is, sometimes it's a bad opponent. You're like, how did this happen? Yeah. It's designed to be a one score game. If the difference in this may just be home team, slight advantage. Maybe they have the possession at the end. Maybe they can turn two possessions by scoring late in the second quarter, getting the ball back in the second half and turning that into a three point difference in the game. I think it's going to come down to one possession who makes the play. The Bengals have been super clutch for a year and a half. Now last two years, where I would say knowing the bills and seeing them, they have had their misfortunes late in games at times uh, where the Bengals have been the exact opposite. Now that doesn't mean it will continue. I don't believe like, that, that sometimes that's just bad luck or good luck, yeah. but somehow it keeps running for the Bengals and maybe it will.
like last week in the fumble, obviously yeah. in the game by the New England Patriots, you know, but you, you force that luck too, if you will. And you make your own luck, I guess. Uh, but you got to recover. Fumbles are so random. <laughs> That's yes. right too. That's right. Um, one of those ways that maybe one of those things turns is special teams. Give us an idea of what to expect from the Bengals special teams, where they're very strong and where they m- might not be. It's probably the worst special teams the Bengals have had. And Darren Simmons, 25 years with the team as their special teams coordinator. And they, they probably, I would be the number one seed right now if they had their long snapper week one. It's the reason they lost to the Steelers. They, <laughs> right. they couldn't get a snap off at the end. They get to overtime. They try a long field goal because you got your tight end snapping the ball and someone thinks that's a good idea. So you can't <laughs> make this one because it goes wide because the snap's terrible. So they've had to deal with that. They did get the top prospect long snapper out of the draft that signed in, in uh, with a college free agent. So they developed him along the way. He's been okay uh, as far as long snappers go. Not that I'm over there grading every long snap he makes, but they also transitioned from Kevin Huber from 20 years of punting into Drew Krishman, who's a first year player at Ohio state. And now he's the holder where like Huber never had a, a bad hold in his career. I think you get some variance a little bit with a young guy in Krishman. So now it has affected Evan McPherson, and now he's a little bit shaky. He missed two extra points. They say it's tough in New England. I don't know. The special teams coordinator, Darren Simmons, this week was like, that's not it. He's got things to work through, and he will because they're confident he's that guy uh, that he'll get he'll get it right. Uh, but he, he got to get it right quick because these games are going to get tight for the rest of the year, and field goals are going to be big. Can they do it all? Can they win it all? Yeah. It's the only thing that really gives me pause is like doing it twice or getting there twice. That's so hard. It is so hard. And if they don't get the number one seed, because you need the chiefs to lose both, you know, in this scenario for the Bengals, uh, you're going to have to play again, the bills and chiefs probably. Yeah. It is so hard to get through both of those teams. Or if you got to get through two of these three teams, that is hard. Whoever's got that one seed has a huge advantage here. We saw it last year. The chiefs, Made it through the Bills with 13 seconds left. Couldn't make it through the Bengals in a once in an overtime, same situation. They get intercepted. It is hard to get through both of them. We didn't respect the Bengals enough, and me included, at that time to know that what it was. Now, a year later, we're saying, yeah, we know now why the, the Bengals made it through the way they did. It is tough to make it through two of those teams. Whoever doesn't have to do it has a huge advantage. And, of course, the difference here is if the Bills drop one to the Bengals, drop the game, they're still going to win the AFC East. If the Bengals happen to lose, they're going to still fight maybe for the AFC North because the Ravens are still in play. We'll see how that shakes mm-hmm. out. So, so much is still yet to be determined. The bills can be anywhere from the one to the three. The Bengals can be anywhere from one to the five, right? Yeah. Because uh, of the way it shakes out. I mean, this is a huge game for both teams. In fact, uh, we had um, Charlie Goldsmith who writes for the Inquirer on WGR on Thursday on my show, Joe. And he said, people in Cincinnati are calling this the biggest regular season game in Paycor or Paul Brown stadium history. Oh yeah. That's easy. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's funny. They, the Bengals have had their success between 2011 and 2015, five straight playoff appearances. They even went in 09. So, you know, six out of seven years, they were pretty comfortable in most of those years getting to the playoffs. It wasn't, you know, some major hurdle, even 05, they started off eight. No, that year, or I mean, not, not 05, 2015. I'm sorry. They started off eight. No, that year they cruised until Andy Dalton got hurt. Uh, there hasn't even in Monday night history. It's not even just Bengals. I think we look, even they said this has been 30 years since two 11 plus win teams have met up this late. How often? I think we just, I was thinking this the other night when it was the, who was it? The Rams and who did they just play? But it was, I was thinking in beginning of the year, this looks like a huge game, right? When Rams Colts. Rams yes. Colts. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like, this looks like a huge game. 
And now you get there and it's like, this, this isn't fun right. at all. This isn't barely watchable. This is the exact opposite. Not only did we think, yeah, this could be a huge game late in the year. It's huge. Fantasy football championship happens that night. I mean, for most leagues, ah. you, and, and it's not just some random game. You got Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Higgins, maybe Boyd starting for you. You got uh, Josh Allen. You got maybe Singletary starting for you. Stephon Diggs, maybe Gabe Davis and Dawson Oxer. There's a lot hinging on that aspect <laughs> of that of the football world playing in that final game. People are going to be like fans of that guy forever or not based on that performance. And then I do think there's a slight talk for MVP. What if one of these quarterbacks absolutely shreds it and lights it up yep. and they'll be able to say they beat both Mahomes and Burrow or both Mahomes and Allen. And I mean, that that's going to go a long way. In know. my, in my fantasy league, I've been in it for like 17 years. I was talking to Sal about it in our last episode, the guys in the championship, one has Allen and one has Burrow on Monday night football. Wow. Like it does not get better than that. That is such a poet. Could you imagine if that matchup is relatively close going into Monday night and you have those two guys, it will be just beautiful television. It's going to be good. And it's going to be a great, it's honestly, it should be an outstanding game because these two teams are super. Not only are they super good, they're super fun. And that yeah. matters. Like they are fun, fun teams to watch. Even if you're just a casual football fan, these are the two of the teams that you're just watching casually because they're on last year, week 17, the Bengals hosted the chiefs. And you know, that, uh, that was a big game. We didn't know at the time how good the chiefs were or the Bengals were until they beat them. But Jamar chase. So it's fantasy football championship. Jamar chase goes for two seventy one and three touchdowns. And people were like, Oh my God, I just won fantasy because of this guy scoring 60 points. It's uh, awesome. Hey, uh, all right, anything else from you, Matt? I think we kept Joe a little bit here. So, you know, we thank him obviously. Yeah. How'd you become a Bengals fan <laughs> or like a Bengals writer reporter? Like, how does that happen? Like, cause if you live in Western New York. Yeah. And I've been here my whole life pretty much. I was born in Tampa, Florida or outside that. Uh, I don't have a good answer. I do. My first football memory is the 89 Super Bowl Bengals running on a Joe Robbie stadium. And I remember the helmets and going, Oh my God, that's peak, you know, aesthetic yeah. right there as a kid. Now I don't remember if that was live. Cause I was, I would only been three years old, but I used to watch a lot of NFL films. So I must've watched it at some point and it stuck with me and I just stayed with it. I guess I'm too loyal because I went through a lot of bad years watching it as a kid, but Carson Palmer was drafted in Oh three. And I was 17 at the time. And it's like yeah. probably a lot of Josh Allen bills fans right now, because you get the franchise guy. You can believe it can happen. You go to the playoffs. It looks fun. Chad Ochocinco. I mean, it, it kind of yeah. just stuck. That makes sense. That's a good answer. You said it's not a good answer. That's a very good answer. But it. also in terms of like writing, podcasting and covering it's the age of the internet. I don't have to be there. I can watch the film from home. I can do whatever I need to. I can contact people through Twitter and get the information I need. Very cool. Hey, uh, Joe, thank you so much, man. Always good. Thank to you, Joe. We go Appreciate back, it. we go back a long way. I remember having you on the radio yeah. when I first got back to Buffalo, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And yeah, that's right. Saw your stuff out there. So always appreciate you being um, willing to do that. And you know, it's going to be a fun game on Monday night and I know we're all going to enjoy it in our own way, I guess. Yeah. I'm excited. Maybe I'll see you out there. So <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Joe.